Hey folks, Michael here from Pro Football Ireland. Hope you're doing well. This is the start, this weekend is the start of the new season for American Football Ireland in the Premier Division, Division 1 and Division 2. Um, after a long off-season, the local teams are getting back into action and as the NFL finishes, the local teams take their centre stage and rightfully so. I was honoured to be down at the Causeway Giants last weekend and actually you know, really enjoyed the experience. I'm looking forward to getting to some games this season as well. We'd like to take the opportunity just to wish everybody the best this season, regardless of your team. Wish you the very, very best as you um, get ready for what is you know a, a big season. And we're delighted to help the Domestic Game podcast be hosted on our podcast network. And as a bonus, we're putting these two podcasts for a season preview on our network also. If you search the Domestic Game, you'll be able to listen to reaction and analysis from the local perspective. Um, please give it a go it's a great podcast if you haven't listened to it and we will chat to you soon enjoy the views and opinions expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those held by american football ireland as always guys this podcast is just a bit of crack so please no giving it Welcome to this episode of the Domestic Game Podcast. We are going to review 2022 and project into 2023, otherwise known as the Winners and Losers episode. So today we are your hosts, Bill Kinahan, Kelly Dwyer, and with us today as a special guest, we have Mr. Liam Ryan. Speaking of the the Minotaurs, this is your your promotion year going up. You're in you're in the Premier now. Naturally, I mean I'm classing you as a winner from 2022. I just think you had a fantastic season. You got that monkey off your back as well, and you did it in harsher conditions than I think you would have done it in 2020 because you came out of 2019 with really only scraping a loss in that bowl and in the the gap years between then and last year that division got more competitive than what it would have been if you'd just gone straight into 2020 so that i really do feel like last year was your division to lose and that it also got a more difficult uh, it became a more difficult thing to win it and you did it i feel like the work that you put in in the off season really came to fruition i actually was delighted for you that you won it delighted i don't think i could have faced you if <laughs> If you'd lost it, you know what I mean? I don't... Uh, I you just, wouldn't have had to. I'd have quit the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I remember thinking, you know, before before those bowls, I was like, Robbie will be all right. You know, Robbie, if, if it doesn't go his way, he'll be upset. But, you know, he'll be okay in, in a few weeks. I was like, Joe... <laughs> we'll be talking Joe off the ledge like (laughs) so yeah I think that I really I think you've had a fantastic year last year I'm very excited for what you're going to do into 2023 I think that it really became a very like well-rounded team even even in COVID I mean I remember that game that I went to versus the the Crusaders or Crusaders at at Minotaurs let's say and I I was chatting to the likes of Paddy Lally and them at the end of the game and I can remember Paddy Lally just being like you know what I'm just so happy we have cornerbacks in Westmead now I'm so so happy (laughs) you you could just see the relief and that was also I think the first time that he really got to see the quarterbacks or the cornerbacks do 
really show up on both sides of the pitch as well. You couldn't have said which one was better than the other. And I could just tell that um, he was really seeing what was going to be achieved into next year. I We had Conor Brennan in a podcast that we've already recorded, and I don't want to give too much away about that because I'm not sure if it'll be released before this. I, I will try and have it released before this, but something that he says is about setting attainable goals because I think you know that you have a, like a, it's going to be a, a challenging year. Yeah. I think you really... Yeah, I think that you, you there's definitely wins to be got in this division for you. And he talks a lot about setting smart goals, setting attainable goals. And I think that that's very smart coaching. And it's definitely in a in a building a building mindset. And I'm very, very excited for four year 2023 season. I think that, um yeah, it's just a good you're in a you're in a good position in the team to be in this division, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean. We kind of talked about it after the final with Coach uh, Bill Doherty, for those, those who don't know yet. But we kind of said, look, I mean, we can go in thinking that we're going to, oh, yeah, sure. We went, what was it, 6-2 and two in 2019, and we went 7-1 and one this year. We're going to get a similar record this year in Premier Division. We don't care. We want the smoke. We do want the smoke, but we're we're not setting ourselves at that standard yet. We're not going in thinking we're going to be the number two or the number one seed in any playoff run or that we're going to make a Shamrock Bowl. Like, we do have to be realistic. This is our first, this is everybody on the team's first year in the Shamrock Bowl. So this is like a, a new challenge for us. And it's like, uh, you know, uncharted waters. We're like, okay, we need to kind of find ourselves here. And I think the main thing is we can't lose the momentum that we kind of rolled into with last year. Yeah. Like just off a final that we lost by one point, and then we come in and off the back of that we go seven and one. We win win the division finally off off a great final. Uh, I thought it was a great game that was played. If we come in here and we get relegated after one season, it's, it's going to be a massive killer on and off the field. I think like we've gone in and we've said, okay, we have a, a goal where like we need to stay up. Like yeah. there's no oh well you know we'll try stay up. It's like no we need to we need to stay up to keep this moving. Like we're gonna lose games, we know that, but it, as few times as possible, we would like to taste that L. And I think it, we need to manage our expectations so that we can maximize what we can do on the field. You said it about the cornerbacks as well. I think the the main thing, the main difference from us from 2019 to 2022 was uh, our pass defense. Like you look, you go back and look at that final, and we were burned deep probably too many times by the Cowboys. Pete Lockern obviously is a great quarterback and. They have great weapons there. And I think we kind of learned from that. And again, you said Jordan Lacey and Pete Dempsey, and we've got great safeties as well there, Niall Fole and Jason Owens. Yeah. Like we've got a we've got a pass defense now. We've got a we've got a pretty good pass rush and we can cover guys now. And I think that's why looking back on it, I'd rather have been promoted this year than when we were in the final there in twenty nineteen. Had we gone into twenty twenty or had we gone into 2020, say, if COVID never happened, with very, very inexperienced corners, that's a very dangerous game to play. Definitely. So I'm, I'm glad we're up now. I'm excited for the season ahead. Yeah, just fingers crossed we, 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 we get a few wins under the belt anyway. 
Yeah, as a whole, I kind of like your your pieces at each position. You know what I mean? I think your wide receivers are fantastic, more than one of them. I'm yeah. not mentioning their names again. We've mentioned them too often on this, on this podcast. No, they're fantastic. Do you know, I think that uh, you've Rafa there running back and what you almost, as far as I know, I mean, I think the last times I saw you didn't have a huge amount of depth at running back. Well, I think what you, what you don't have in depth at running back, you have in, in fullback. You know what I mean? That you are very good. I think uh, Connor there as uh, an offensive coordinator is, is very good with his schemes and stuff like that. I think that we've got big guys on the lines. You've got some fantastic linebackers as well. And you're going to need those big guys in the line when you come up to, to Premier. And Joe, you need mm. to take them all out for stake because you need to make sure they're well fed. And you awesome. yeah. the, the money for this podcast is being well spent, don't worry. <laughs> it's been sent to the nearest uh, nearest steakhouse in in, uh, in Westmead. So I obviously saw the, saw the Minotaurs up close uh, three times this year and definitely echo a lot of what you said. So you have all the building blocks, you have the offensive line, you have a good defense, you have the, the, the DBs and stuff like that. Obviously, Joe, not to blow too much smoke, but you're you're an excellent QB as well, which is which is essential. I do think that from like what the, what Westmead have been really good at is you kind of do the simple things really really effectively. You have a a, a defensive scheme and it, you're set up, and it's like beat us. This is what we're doing. If you beat us, great. If you don't beat us, then you win the game. I think what you'll see with the likes of the Rebels and UCD and and, and other other teams uh, at that top level is the the kind of the, the coaching and the organization and the, the the kind of the complexity of what they're going to be doing it's not just as as, as simple as we've got a better athlete lined up against the, the guy opposite him you, you almost need to kind of develop probably even more scouting even more kind of complex schemes even more coaching and 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 be able to kind of match like for like in terms of you, you can't just line up and play cover zero man all, all game you do need to yeah. play deception on offense and or else someone like Aaron Mooney or Ty Henry will just will pick you apart so I do think that there's it's going to be a bit of a baptism of fire but you're coming in with a really kind of mature attitude I think it's perfectly acceptable to be like this is our aim our aim is to get to four and four we're not trying to run the table and I, I think it's 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 viable like uh, Westmead against I take them against the Cowboys potentially against the Panthers against the Knights I think there is a a slightly two-tier uh, structure within within division from from seeing obviously the rebels rebels UCD I think Cork are probably in there and, and the Trojans are probably hard to, to step out of but I think you have a from playing those guys in 2019 and seeing obviously the Minotaurs I think you have a, a you're set up well to deal with those types of teams I do think that there's probably just another level of thought and intentional coaching and intentional scheming and stuff like that that's probably needed for some of the top teams but it, it's not without it's not beyond the realms of possibility but just having an athlete against another athlete is is not what you need to have at, at, at the very top level. I think you need to you need to mix up defensive and offensive schemes to be able to kind of uh, take that next step. But I definitely think Westmead will shock some teams in, in the Premier Division this year for sure. Yeah, here's, here's, hoping. here's hoping, yeah. And, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned previously about the collaboration between different teams, like specifically like the, the Razorbacks and the, the Knights. And I know that, let's say in the case of yourselves, like UCD have invited you to go and to train with them. Like, Have you taken them up on that offer or is that something you're going to take them up on? Yeah, we have. Um, we weren't going to turn down the opportunity to train with a national champion team. Like, you know, yeah, they have yeah. a great coaching staff there. They have a lot of guys that we can learn from. And obviously for them, you know, it, it gives them a chance to, to have a look at us from a scheme perspective, from an athlete perspective. So, and obviously any of these inter-team scrimmages always end up with uh, very physical reps, we'll say. Yeah. Nobody's going to be taking, it, taking any kind of uh, off days. So we thought, you know, that we may as well go up and... and test ourselves and kind of 
gauge, okay, well, where are we at? Where where do we think we are going into it and then coming out of it? Well, how, how much were we wrong on? How much were we right on? Uh, what do we need to improve on? I think it would have been very naive to be like, no, nah, you know what, we're grand. We don't yeah, I agree. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? That just came off of a very, a very strong Sherman Bowl win. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. There, like, there, there's a difference between Division One and Shamrock Bowl. So, like, had we said, "Ah, oh, yeah, sure, we won a championship," what, what do you know that we don't? Like, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't very, uh, uh, wouldn't have been very smart. So, yeah, we had to take them up on it, really. Good, brilliant. I bet that was class. I'm actually a bit jealous. I'm not going to lie. That, that I would only freaking love to be to be able to go to like different teams' trainings and stuff like that. But yeah, brilliant stuff, Joe. Delighted to hear it for you. And um, best luck into into 2023. Will be exciting. So then, moving on to the Belfast Knights. You know what? I'm putting them down as a winner because their biggest thing in 2022 in my mind is to not get relegated. Given that they had been how we're supposed to, let's say, and said we should stay in Premier Division. Like we're feeling good about where we're at. We've recruited, we're still building, but we feel like we can stay up. And they've proven that they did. They they proved that point. They had fun doing it as well. They weren't uh, performing, let's say, as well as the nights that we we know historically on the pitch in terms of wins and losses. But they enjoyed their season. And that's so important when you're in a building year and that was what they were in. And now it's going to be interesting to see what what comes of that into this coming year. Like, I, I do think that we're going to see some good things from the Knights this year. The, the only thing that gives me a little bit of, of a worry, uh, so their top scoring receiver, so Jordan Clinton, I know, is is moving, I think, moving to the Trojans as, as far as I know. Yeah. So they, they are missing or they're losing some, some key parts on their offense. They're a team that are very dependent on their big players. So obviously Spencer is one of the one of the best players in Ireland and, and has been for a long time. I think he missed a couple of games either through injury or or, or just uh, availability last year. And I know Marty Kasky as well is, is probably another key guy. Yeah. So it's dependent on them being able to, to kind of stay healthy and make as many games as possible. Their offense does kind of fire on based on those two guys and losing Jordan isn't going to help that out either as well. So I kind of fear for the Knights to, to stay up. I, th- I think I'd have them potentially, them with the Panthers, probably in terms of possible relegation candidates. I'd actually be more confident that a Midhurst staying up, I think, than, than, than both of those. So um, I, I put the Knights potentially as that they did really well to stay up this year, but I'm just not, not sure that they'll stay up next year. Mm, and it's interesting that you say that because they've also lost Danny Mole, who's a, an important player for them on, on defense. He's gone to the to the Razorbacks. So actually, now that you say it, I'm kind of going, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. uh, you know, as, as we said earlier, I think you, you just don't know what team is going to show up until the first game of the season. They may have recruited really well to fill those gaps, but I just would be just a little bit conscious that they've lost... Um, lost a couple of guys and again they're one of those teams that are a little bit older as players move on in terms of age and stuff like that they, they lose a, a bit of spring in their step uh, I know Spencer's probably around my age as well so he's not getting any faster I put it that way thank god <laughs> yeah thank god exactly Joe your thoughts on the Knights yeah I mean I, sh- I should say as well this goes for the rest of the teams that we're about to talk about Westmead Minotaur's player Joe has left the chat analyst Joe slash podcast host Joe is, is now talking so yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be coming at me and holding anything against me, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You <laughs> um, have to be careful what you say now. You know yeah. that. <laughs> like, like uh, this is an important year for the Knights. Yes. Because last year they were one and seven. Yep. And the year before twenty nine, well, not the year before twenty nineteen, the season before, they were one six and one. 
Yeah. Like they've won two games or two yeah, two games in the last sixteen regular season games. Like this is a year where they have to say, you know what, we need to really stick to what we need to find something that gets us consistently on the board and keeps other teams off it. Like we kind of said it during the season last year, Kelly, where the Knights were kind of a tale of two halves where either the defense would have an unreal day, but the offense wouldn't be on, or the offense would be putting up 26 points, but they'd be giving up 40. Mm. So if they can put it together a few games, preferably not against the Minotaurs, where <laughs> where they can find a bit of consistency across the team and pick results up that way. Because, mm. again, otherwise you're pushing yourself into these positions where you could be very, very, very close to that relegation zone. And we don't play an awful lot of games. So any loss is a big loss. And I just think that if you can consistently find those areas where you win, then you finally, th- I think you've gotten yourself out of that rut. But I think it's just, it's finding those spots in the first place that's going to be the big test, I think, for the Knights. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope they do as well. Their because- team. Yeah, they're they're a fantastic team. They're one of the longest running running franchises in in Ireland. They yeah. they made it to a bowl in 2017, so that they have I think they have the pieces there. I think they just need to lean into them a bit more and 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 as you said, kind of keep things simple and 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 pick the things they're good at and just do those. Yeah, I hope that they 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 pick it up and 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 win more than when you put it like that. When they've won two games in 16, that's a that's a fairly fairly uh, shocking statistic. It is indeed. But um, also speaking of some of the longest if not the longest teams in in AFI, uh, the Cowboys are are next. So Cowboys, for me, I think they had did a good season. I think they started off strong. I think they they really did that thing that we're talking about where, you know, you're kind of just picking your wins and really grinding them out. And I really feel like they, they did that. They grinded out some wins early in the season. It kind of, I do think that they have that one loss against the, the Rhinos kind of haunting them a small bit. You know what I mean? After that, I know that they'll be kind of, <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, that to me was really where the season kind of started to go awry for them last year but in saying that yeah I, I don't know what I'm doing with the Cowboys in 2023 I don't know how to categorize them because I just don't know what type of season they're they're going to have I mean they have fantastic pieces I think like Pete Lockburn is, is fantastic and I know that they'd get on to me sometimes and they'd say if you ever want to chat about any other player other than Pete Lockburn but you know whenever whenever you chat about the Cowboys he's just so synonymous with them but it's just really I, I don't know I don't know how much that can carry them how much further that can carry them is the thing so really hope that they have put a lot into their recruitment a lot into their development in in the off season so that they can uh, kind of continue to grind out those wins in in the premier division i mean like the the thing the thing with the cowboys last year is that they stayed up like yeah. that's like at the end of the day like if all that people are asking of of the minotaurs is to stay up this year then the cowboys did exactly that last year yeah, they came up from Division One after being down there for a few years. Came up and they stayed up. So I think you have to, and obviously, we're, again, not to we're in the preseason for the kids, so we kind of have to focus on that. But if we're looking as a club, Cowboys won the or the well, they got to the flag uh, championships. They got to oh the yeah, flag, yeah, they, they only the they only it only they only didn't win it on like the very last 
the very last yeah. drive like so yeah 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 you know and as you say like they stayed up and I mean like they weren't really even in the relegation talks so they really did stay up last last year for sure yeah yeah I just the, think the, that, like, that the, the result that jumps out much. at me the, the result that jumps out at me and it kind of worries me is the the last last game of their season was a uh, 55-6 yeah. beating by the Panthers and it it was almost as though they kind of just ran out of steam like yeah. they did really well at the start of the year they kind of had their they kind of won their games early in the season I think they got beaten the Rhinos the Rhinos uh, last probably took some of the wind out of their sails but they went on 58-2 from the Rebels and, and 55-6 from the Panthers it just it struck me as a team that kind of wasn't fighting for their survival because they were guaranteed to stay up and they weren't fighting to get into the playoffs so they kind of just not coasted but there was no there was no kind of edge or there was no nothing that that, that had had them had them on where you you're dragging guys down to training you're trying to either stay up or, or get into the playoffs so i think as you said joe they probably they achieved their their aim of trying to stay up but i think that that would worry me that kind of the the is it some winning is a habit if you've lost all your momentum and you're in kind of a in a bit of a funk towards the end of the season how do you bring that back and how do you have a spark to, to 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 start the season strongly as you said there's not many games if you lose the first two games you're kind of in a in a bit of a spiral so i think the cowboys they do need to start strongly they need to kind of have have a momentum and, and try and keep that throughout the season rather than just tailing off once they've two or three games won yeah i think that's some really nice yeah. insight you'd hope that they can bounce back and kind of find themselves again and say you know what we need a black slate let's just run at it again 2022 never happened we need to survive this year and we need to go three and five. Like as long, if you yeah. can improve on this record from last year, then great. And again, you can almost ignore it from that stage then. The, the issue with those blowout games though, so like the 58-2 and, and 50-55-6, if you've got guys, if you're doing recruitment throughout the year, obviously, and you've got guys that come down midway through a season and you lose mm. you lose to a game of, of that magnitude we've had it before where we've got blown out in a game and we just don't see a guy ever again they just yeah. you lose you don't just lose momentum of the of the established players you, you you kind of it takes it's very hard to come back to training the next week and be like okay we got beaten 58 58 nil or whatever it might be how do you like it just it it sets it sets the club up in a in a downward spiral rather than an upward spiral. So I think they do need to reset. That there's probably some strong coaching and, and strong leadership that's needed within the club. I'm sure they have that, but I, that would be my main concern. Is that while they started really really well, I just I, I think it's hard to bounce back from defeats, consistent defeats of of that like kind of magnitude. It can be can be grating on players, and you can just lose guys or people lose interest and go to a different sport or something as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um yeah, I genuinely think that's really really good inside Liam I really I really do <laughs> so then moving on to the South Dublin Panthers for me I, the South Dublin Panthers they were in a in a bowl in 2019 and they made it to playoffs in last year but almost just by the skin of their teeth I think they started off really so strong they were so prepared for the Trojans and kind of beat them in a way that I don't think anybody was expecting and but it the uh, it didn't really carry through they had a lot of significant injuries and then there was no one that could kind of come in when those injuries occurred and just seemed to be a but just seemed to be a struggle towards the end of the season for this team I mean and they lost their, their coach Steve Mack at the very start of the year as well which is just the wor- one of the worst ways to start your season they they're after losing some significant players in the in the off season and um some coaches as well so I think it could be could be a tough one for the South Dublin Panthers coming into this season um I kind of yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm not sure how it's going to go for them. 
Yeah, yeah and like it's, it's, it's losing guys, you know, losing guys on O-line and D-line. is uh, They're the hardest pay- players to replace. You know, Evan Allen, I think, is one of the top sack, uh, sack leaders in the, in the division. Yeah. I think he's got over to the Rebels. That's uh, Graham Jenkinson, we, we actually played him with the, in the Intervarsities. He was starting O-line for, their, for UCD. And those are guys that are not just exceptional players, but they're, they're leaders, they're mentors. They, they're guys that will make their position group better as well. So it's not just losing a really talented player, but you're kind of losing guys that are almost coaches on the field and, and guys that are bringing up the overall skill skill uh, ability of that position group so yeah they're, they're fairly significant losses that's hard to bounce back from but yeah I think it's going to be a tough year for the Panthers unless they have a, a an ace up their sleeve that we don't know about yeah like you go and you're like you're losing all these kind of coaching figures and like I, I'd have said up until maybe mid-November when all this news started coming out about all these transfers and coaches leaving them like up until then, you look at the seasons like, okay, well, fair enough. You know, they got blown out by the Rebels in the playoffs, but they got to the playoffs and they got in probably when they weren't expected to at the start of the year. You're looking at Cork coming up in Trojans. You're thinking, oh, the Panthers might just miss out. They got to the playoffs. They Then you look at their uh, flag uh, season and you look, okay, well, they won the, the national championship. And you're thinking as a club, they perform pretty well. And then again, you start hearing that you're losing these players, like the players going to Canada and Europe and other teams in the division. Kelly Weed kind of talked about their kind of youth program and their younger players coming up and saying, you know, over the next couple of years, the Panthers could be a team because you're going to have these young guys directly now learning from all these veteran players that are on the roster that they're actually getting reps with. But all those veteran players are gone. Yeah, and as far as I'm aware, anyway, I don't think they've even announced who their head coach is. Yeah, it's like returning. Yeah, it's yeah, it's un yeah, it's unnerving. I'm very based on what we know. I'm not optimistic. Yeah, but again, they could have an ace up their sleeve. They could have a position where all their youth guys coming up are just elite wide receivers and quarterbacks and stuff like that. Um, Jamie Leonard, I think, is still playing with the Panthers, and he's a great player. Yeah. Um, com- coming from that system, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate. They do, I mean, they do they do have a decent squad, and the thing with Dublin is there's just so many. There's such a big player population. Like there's so many teams in the area. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that they 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 write the ship. I think if that was happening in yeah. Cork or Limerick it's very hard to pick up other players or guys that have experience but the fact that it's in Dublin and there is there is an established squad they have they have um, a long enough history of, of players coming through that they, they can write the ship I just as you said it's six weeks out from the start of the regular season and we don't know who their head coach is that, that would give me palpitations <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah uh, yeah, they, they've, they've a bit of work to do for sure yeah again um... it, it is just based on what we know like again mm-hmm. like we see there could be like everything could be corrected it's just they haven't told us, and we you know we don't yeah. know. Like we can only guess and project off of off of information that we have, and if we don't have it, that's we we can't say oh well, we think they'll do well, but but that's they, they, they the definitely perception can. the perception of them around the league is is I mean we're 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 hearing what everyone else is hearing, so yeah yeah, yeah you kind of need to manage your perception around the league in terms of players wanting to come to you or players leaving as well. So they they've they've a bit of work. They need a a PR or marketing guru. I think uh, Joe or Joe or Kelly are gonna have to do a job for them. <laughs> well, you right know, if I was to tell a, a Panther success story, it has to be the flag. The flag is just unbelievable. Yeah. Such a fantastically well gelled team as well you know I kind of think that um, where they potentially might be struggling in the kitted football there's just 
no sign of any struggle on the flag like so look you just don't know you don't know how these things affect a kitted team like we have clubs not teams in AFI now these days and their youth team as well has been has been running pretty well so these things over time will help a club I just hope that the help comes this season this is the season that they need that help so look if we're I like that phrase the ace up the sleeve if we're looking for ace up the sleeve they've flagged players they've probably youth players that are coming to age now. So you just never know. But at this point, admittedly, a little bit concerned for the South Dublin Panthers. So yeah, I also realised that I jumped right over the Trojans here as well. So Trojans should have been discussed before the South Dublin Panthers, but we'll, we can do it now. For me, I really liked that thing that you said, Liam, where you kind of had the two tiers in the in the the Premier Division. I think that the Trojans, even though they didn't make it to the playoffs, you can't it's so hard to put them in a lower tier they're just a top tier type of team and it's the work that they do off the pitch as well as on the pitch they are really fantastic for that like they just kind of have a winning mindset and it does translate I think that the start of their season last year they just created an uphill battle for themselves they actually usually do that as well but you know that's not a territory that they're not used to but it just seemed to be too much of an uphill battle just last year but I actually do think that the Trojans will be a contender yet again in this new season I think they're just doing they're doing too much to say that they that they wouldn't be a contender yeah I'm a big fan of of the moves that they're making I have, I have to say I think I think it's great if you look at, so like I was talking about managing perceptions. So if you look at what's come out about the, the, the Panthers in the last kind of couple of months and you look at what the Trojans are putting up. So they've got, I think I counted, they put up a post on social media around their training session, back to training. I think they had 45 players in kit. So just managing like perception of your club and, and how that's all, how that's all worked. They're super professional. There's there's all, all the hullabaloo about the, the the kind of game day experience that they have in, in, in Belfast. But that stuff pays dividends it probably doesn't change anything that happens on the field but in terms of how people perceive the club how people will want to engage the club sponsors new players all that sort of stuff I do think that on the field they didn't live up to their usual high expectations and I think I'd have them as a kind of a a loser I know obviously they were, they were four and four so they weren't essentially they weren't a, a terrible season but I think that their expectations are always to be there thereabouts around the pinnacle of the league and they're I'm sure they're disappointed not to be there but I think that they, as a club they're set up for success in long term and I think they'll they'll um, they'll address any kind of needs that they have either through coaching or recruitment or or uh, player development and stuff like that so they're they're a club that yeah I have them as as um, a playoff playoff contender this year and someone if they get the right the right people in place that they'll be able to kind of put pressure on UCD and Rebels as well yeah and speaking of right people in place I'm very interested in what they're going to do at QB because James McKelvey is just a huge loss there and I mean he he's retiring having won what is it is it five bowls at this stage I just think like wow it's fantastic but yeah very very interesting there the, the QB battle I'd say and, and the Trojans will be watching that one quite closely if I was to give like a shout out because they, they have some really they're another team I feel like the Trojans in the Premier are almost like what the Vipers are in Division 1, where they're kind of a team of vets. They're very hard-hitting. And any of the new players that they bring in come in at that like more physical level. You have the likes of um, Stephen Cheevers and you have uh, Mo as well, like just really, really physical players. 
a player that I want to give a shout out, especially on defense to is Thomas Boyd. I just think he had an absolutely fantastic season last year. He was kind of, he was everywhere. Like he was just a QB's nightmare back there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So really kind of, um, yeah, yeah, I really think they will be a team that's definitely, definitely going to be, going to be looking at playoffs anyway, but probably at this point, I in a bowl. I think that's, like you said, Liam, always going to be what, what they're going to have their eye on. Joe, your, your thoughts on the, the Trojans, what are you expecting from them in, in this coming season? Yeah, well, I've heard it's Dom Lynn for QB. Oh, interesting. So I know he's nursing a bit of an injury at the moment, but I think they're expecting him and he's expecting himself to, to be back for, for week one. I mean, look, the, the Trojans missed out in the playoffs last year, but you look at how they finished the year. They started 0-3 and then they just kind of flipped the switch. They said, you know what, F this, don't want to lose any more games. And they went 4-1 and to finish. Uh, including that game right at the end of the year with the Admirals that was like within a touchdown. I think if there was any week to have like a live score update um, for AFI games, it would have been that one because I think everybody was checking their phones and the Admirals and Trojans pages to be seeing like, oh, what's the score? What's the score? Mm. Just any update you can, any update you can. So I think that was actually part of the reason why we're looking to do it this year. But yeah, I think they finished the, the, the year very well considering where they came from. And I think they're on a positive trajectory moving up. I think... Getting a new QB in, uh, obviously after McGelvey retired, I think Dom will will be a good look for them moving forward. I think what's helped their recruiting is just how well run of a club they are. Like you look at how like their social operates, and they have like professionally done, or at least professionally looking anyway, like mic'd up videos and stuff like that. Yeah, and they just look like a club that's. I mean, the Trojans are always a club that looks like it's moving in the right direction. And this year is no different, I don't think. So I see them as a playoff team this year. I can't rule out any possibility of them getting into the Shamrock Bowl because they're that team where, again, like last year, after that fourth game, they were like, okay, well, the Trojans could do it. And they almost did. Like on their day, they can beat anyone, I think. Mm, Yeah. I agree on their day. Yeah, they've done. They, yeah, I mean, like they've just become very like family friendly on game day as well, which is always, always, always helps. Okay, so if we're happy to, I'm going to move on to the Cork Admirals. And you know what, Liam? It's one of those things that you said where the the perception of your team is so important. And let's say combining that with some of the things that say we said about the Cowboys where they had some big losses at the end of the season it's like I know that the Admirals they made the playoffs and then they kind of got blown out of the playoffs by UCD but in this instance I don't think it affects their perception how they're perceived we slept on the Cork Admirals at the start of the season last year because they had a sl- another slow another team that had a slow start but my god did they turn it around and I think they're going to continue to be strong into this this season. I do think that they are a team that's also keeping an eye on the bowl. Their youth team has been excellent. They're also, similarly to, let's say, the Rebels, they're a team where their youth players have come in to their senior team and have made an impact on that team. So they're doing everything right as a club. Like they really are. And excited for the likes of what Jack Cronin's going to do, excited for the likes of what Jan Adesini is going to do, excited for what Stephen Hayes is going to do. I think there's a lot of good players there that any of them could go off at in any game. So yeah, I I I think the Admirals will have a good season. Definitely playoff contention definitely a team that's going to be looking at a bowl at this point I think we need an apology session for Stephen Hayes as well we kind of buried him after the first two weeks three weeks we were like 
listen, you know, this offense hasn't scored any points and maybe do we need a change or what, what's going on here? And all of a sudden he just pops off and finishes second in the league and passing touchdowns. Yeah, and it was, um, a lot of, it was a lot of drops yeah. as well, in fairness. It's not necessarily that he was doing anything wrong. But I, at the same time, I stand by that. Your offense hasn't scored. That's a problem. You know what I mean? If you were the QB of an offense that hasn't scored in three games, that's a problem. You know what I mean? And if you're not feeling like it's a problem, there's something wrong there. But I mean, like I'm, I like you said, like they got it, they got it together. There's no way he was coming away from it. Going, this isn't, this isn't an issue that we need to work on. You know what I mean? I don't think he's, I don't think he's, I doubt he's holding a grudge against us. I would hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I, what I find telling about Stephen is the fact that he, he was QB two for the, for Team Ireland. So obviously, exactly. Maddie, Maddie playing at, at GFL probably deserved that that slot. But Stephen came in. Did really well, like threw, threw a deep touchdown against Spain. Yep. Beat out, I think, what a lot of people would have thought Aaron Mooney could have could have made that roster. But it speaks to Stephen's talent and and ability that he he got that second second QB spot on on the Team Ireland team. So he's he's a guy that I've played against and and coached against. His his um his arm talent is exceptional. He'll get the ball out and and he has those kind of tools and and uh, in John and 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 uh, Jack Cronin now as well to be able to to, to score. So I, I think having having that sort of talent at QB gives them gives them a chance to beat teams. I, I do think I don't think that, that that there's their weakness. I think the the kind of defense, whatever way you see attack them, they did give up a lot of points, I think, on the, on that day, which is unusual for for a defense coach by Brendan Keller, obviously, but they do need to kind of tighten that up. They they gave up points against um against the Trojans as well. I think it was 20, 26, 20 they beat them, but they need to be keeping the scores below below that kind of that you know 14, 14 points a game or thereabouts to to give Steven a chance to beat them on offense. But yeah, I, I think they're a team that will beat I think the, the most of the teams that we've mentioned already. Just they have they have a, an exceptional offense and I think their their defense is always well drilled. I don't know if they have the some of the pieces of talent maybe that that, that other teams have, but I, I just don't see them without their defense stepping up and without kind of complementary strong running game. I don't see them being able to to win a bowl. They might get to a bowl, but I, I don't see them being able to win a bowl this year unless uh, unless something drastic changes. Interesting, interesting insight. Loving it, Joe. What were you were you were you had a thing or two to say on the admirals as well. Just to say, again, like how quickly they rebounded after a poor start. They were yep. kind of the anti-Trojans, or the anti-Cowboys, sorry, where they lost their first two games and said, you know what, let's just win out. And playoff games then, they're just a, any given Sunday type thing. Um, I truly believe that they there's multiple worlds and multiple universes where they beat UCD and went on to play in the Shamrock Bowl. And I wouldn't rule them out this year either. I think they can take pride in some of the things they did on offense later in the year. And obviously, again, defensively sort out one or two things that you can maybe tighten up and give up one less touchdown a game in these in these big shootouts. Because I think anytime you can give a quarterback as easy a job as possible, especially here, you're doing wonders for your team. So I don't know who I'd have, who I'm projecting to be ahead of the other. I, I don't know where I'd go Admirals, Trojans, do I put them four or three? They can kind of interchange for me, but I do think that either of them can be any team in this league, On again, on their day. It's just a case of whether they can get everybody to show up all at once, all with their A game. But I do think, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll put myself out there. I think the Admirals will beat, I think the Admirals will beat UCD this year. Oh my good. Okay, okay, okay. I think they'll get I think they'll get a bit of revenge back. I think they will. They'll be thinking about it for sure. And also like a very, very strong team in, in terms of scheme as well, which is 
so so important at the especially at like premier le- level and especially the top tier in premier level so yeah we will we will see the rebels then are next i mean the rebels so such an exciting team still and such a young team as well like a lot of young players coming through a lot of a lot of vets still there as well to kind of show them the way delighted to see like they've retained like ty henry as, as offensive coordinator like stuff like that some very strong players and i found it so interesting that after the Sharma Bowl, UCD are still referring to Ty Henry as probably the best player in the league. It's one of those things that um is so it's undeniable how talented he is. I would say that the the rebels, the weaknesses in the rebels were exposed by UCD in the Shamrock Bowl. So they kind of need to fill in those holes because the thing is is that when one team figures a team out, Every team figures a team out. So it'll be really important that they learn to kind of overcome the defensive schemes that UCD used against them in that Shamrock Bowl. And once they have that, I would it would be interesting to find where the next weakness would be, if any. So yeah, the Rebels for me were a building team in 2023, coming off what was a poorer team in 2019 with kind of a, a fresh set of of young players and look what they did in that year so very excited for what they're going to do 2023 i think it, i do think that they will be stronger for having lost the shamrock bowl in the last year yeah i i actually i would put i know obviously ucd won the bowl last year but i would put the rebels in terms of what they achieved actually slightly above what what ucd did ucd were bringing back like they were literally calling up every favorite that they could get and, and cleaning out the closets of, of any experienced player that they had as a push towards the bowl. Um, the Rebels had new head coach, new offense coordinator, new defense coordinator, new scheme, loads of new players, and kind of, as you said, got got the, the, the pieces in place in terms of um in terms of the long the long-term structure of the club. Like the two, the two Johnsons, Ty Henry, obviously having Ty gives you your guy for the next next number of years. He's a super talented player, has a really good scheme in place in, in terms of the offensive side and just makes your offense so much more potent when you've got a guy like that in the field. You have to scheme for a guy like that to, to, to cover the run, to cover the pass, and it just opens up opportunities for Willow, opens up opportunities for all the other receivers and stuff as well. So they've set kind of a very strong foundation. I think it would have been very difficult for them to win the bowl this year, just, just given the number of, of inexperienced players that they had. But definitely they've had a really, really strong kind of year. They've kept the likes of Conrad Cook. Ross McCooey obviously still is on the field, which is always a challenging prospect for anybody. And they have, they've kind of a nice blend of experienced players as well as kind of new guys coming in. So I think the Rebels will be will be the team to, team to watch actually next year. I think UCD obviously won last year. That can, it can be harder to be the, the guy coming in, the champion and having that target on your back. And it's hard to keep momentum. It's hard to keep guys around everyone's won a bowl you start to to lose players off uh retiring or whatever it might be whereas the rebels have that hunger and have the kind of the will to to, to get guys back in and, and 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 want to win something and a lot of those guys have never won a bowl so it's something that i think i, I would i'd actually be, be tipping the rebels to win the bowl this year to, to be honest which much as it much as it pains me to do it as a as a, as a viking uh, but i think that from seeing what they've uh they've done and seeing the, the the bowl game that they had with the level of experience that they had as a team they've got a really good chance i think that this this coming year yeah i mean i think they're on offense anyway i think it's fair to say they're the most talented 
Like you look at their receivers and and every position they've just got a star there. And even on defense, they've got again, you mentioned Conrad Cook and you know, they've got really, really good players. We went on and on about Dave King and, and Greg Johnson on that side of the ball. Like the one thing that kind of cost them, I think, in the final was the fact they went undefeated. They, like they like UCD went into that year and they uh, they had a close game with the Trojans to start the year and um, they had a really really hard fought game with the Admirals that ended up a tie but I think the yeah. I think UCD yeah. came back came back in that game they were underneath I think they were down by was it fourteen or twenty points in the regular season game with the Rebels yeah. like they had faced adversity in that season UCD whereas the Rebels hadn't really. And it just felt as soon as they went down and that touchdown just before half was was a killer yeah. um, for the Rebels. Because instead of going down or going into the locker room, whatever it was, six points down or whatever, it was 14 or mm-hmm. 15 or whatever way it worked out. I think it might have been seven before that they went on and scored a two-point conversion. They were 15 points down at half. And it made it a completely different game. And it seemed to me anyway, watching live, that the only person who was really responding to that, to being down, was Ty. And, like, he was put in a linebacker. Obviously, I know he played linebacker. Um, so you got to put your talented guys in there. But mm-hmm. to the kind of wide scope of it was you're putting your quarterback in at linebacker to try and fix your defense. And it just felt like a lot, like, you know, a vote of no confidence nearly. And, like, I think if they can if they can turn around and say, okay, well, you know what? Now we've faced that adversity. Now we have know what it feels like to lose, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. And especially against a team that you'd already beaten earlier in the season. I think they can come into this year now knowing how to respond better and knowing what changes to make um, when you go down, if you ever go down in this season. Again, they're a very talented team. Uh, I don't see them losing in losing big blowout games. They should be on the right side of that. But for those tough games, like the Admirals, like UCD, potentially like the Trojans, like if you can go in now better prepared for, okay, well, maybe in the second half, we might need to change from this coverage to that coverage, or we might make this adjustment on a route or on a play call where instead of going this way, it goes this way. And knowing what changes to make is going to be key here because you have the guys to do it. Um, it's just it's just putting it together in a full game, I think. So yeah, I think again, like like you guys have said, I think I would probably tip again just with how talented they are. I think I'd tip the Rebels to go on and do it all, but our number one team will surely make that a bit of a bit of a challenge anyway. Are you being influenced here, Joe? I feel like you're being influenced. <laughs> Yeah. So, ju- just ju- just a, li- a one last observation on the rebels and it was something that that's that jo- that what joe mentioned they hadn't really been down at all throughout the season and there was almost a little bit of like panic panic set in when, yeah. when that when uh, tom scored that touchdown at the end, end of the first half they moved away from the run game almost entirely like it, it was it was kind of it was deep passes. It was like, okay, we need we need to score quickly. We have to get a score. We have to get a score. We have to get a score. Where Wello had like, did he have eight t- rushing touchdowns or twelve rushing touchdowns or something like that? Um, that I think a more experienced team and a more hungry team doesn't move away from the run game and and stays with what they do well and stuff like that. So I think definitely they they learn more from having lost that ball and and, and come back a, a better team. But uh, yeah, that that was what's surprising. It was it was kind of a a, a bit of a not a panic, but I know that and I know that they had a couple of injuries as well. But 
they they moved away from what they did really really well throughout the whole year because they were down if they had more patience and had more kind of um more i suppose uh, kind of if they if they had gone through more adversity as you said joe i think they, they would have reacted a little bit better to that so hopefully that'll uh, that'll stand to them in in, in the next season yeah ab- as a, absolutely as a neutral I, I can't wait to see what a what a hungry rebels team can do <laughs> as a player as a player i'm not but as a neutral yeah. i'm like yeah let's let's see let's just see what happens here no, I like I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think that's again like your, the insight is very good. That's why we got you, Liam. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the insight is fantastic. And then Joe, as you said, it's like a quicker and effective adjustments on defense, and those need to happen in the game. You know what I mean? That, and I think that that's a uh, they'll know. They know that themselves. There's no way they're not they're not thinking about about all of that. Like so, yes, very excited for what the rebels are gonna do. Um, I know that you both kind of tipped the rebels for a Shamrock Bowl in 2023. I'm not disagreeing with you, but for me, I don't see a reason why UCD wouldn't do it again. You know what I mean? I don't get any sense that they're not every bit as hungry. I I don't. I haven't heard of any like massive retirements from this team. If anything, I've heard of them still recruiting, recruiting like as if they're a team that has a point to prove. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't see any reason why they won't do it again. I just think that the difference between that team in the regular season to the the playoffs and the Shamrock Bowl was just unbelievable. And that just really is a credit to the work that they were putting in. As far as I know, they were, I mean, they were... Um, training I think every night of the week before the bowl and they were doing like self-scouting they literally they literally had Tom Donovan run let's say a Rebels offense at their training session for their defense to play against it and they ran plays that they knew that the Rebels might might give to them to see how the defense did they were so prepared for that Shamrock Bowl the other thing something that we kind of just throw out there like as if because like if it's nothing, it's kind of like that. Oh, yeah, it's the no huddle offense. Yeah, yeah, you know, just kind of, it's just because of that, that it just breaks down the team. It's like, yes, exactly. That's exactly what it's designed to do. They have really nailed it down. If you can keep up with the UCD or offense, then you must have a very, very fit defense. It's not by chance that teams get tired after playing them for quarters. Like it's literally what the UCD offense is designed to do. I just think they are flush with talent and it's so balanced. It's both sides of the ball and I just don't see them slowing down. Not this year. Maybe next year they might slow down, but I don't see it happening this year. I don't see why why they won't run it back. Yeah, I mean, the thing that jumped out for me in the bowl definitely was was that fourth quarter. You could just tell that the Rebels defense, I mean, Mackie, Polish, and I think Steve Walsh were their D-line. They're, they're no spring chickens. I think they were they were gassed by the end of the game. And McFay's kind of, Tom's touchdown and McFay's touchdown at the end of the game did, did show that that kind of no huddle piece does wonders, I suppose, for your offense in the fourth quarter. Obviously, UCD are incredibly well coached uh, i think we've we've we, uh, there's been loads of stuff on on um the impact of of Dara farrell on defense obviously andy Dennehy, you know bringing in the, the no huddle scheme and tom telford obviously the o-line has is, is one of the best o-lines in, in the country i'm saying the rebels rebels to win the ball but i i would say the margin of of difference is probably 0.001 percent I, I do think ucd have exceptional talent i suppose the knock on ucd is they lost the Rebels in the regular season. They drew with the Admirals in the regular season. I think the, the bowl game that they put together and the and the semi-final, they hit everything that they needed to do. Like they were exceptional on defense. They were exceptional on offense. You could have a run like that. I, I would just be 
yeah, I, I'm probably going to offend loads of the UCD lads, and I was absolutely delighted they won the ball, uh, and I do hope that they run it back. Uh, but I just think it's it's harder to be the be the, the top the top dog and have that target on your back every single game to be the, the the team that everybody's trying to beat. There's loads of loads of kind of tape now on them to say this is what UCD run. People can can kind of scheme specifically for them. So everyone raises their game up to their their best level uh, when they're playing the. the champions so I think it's going to be a harder year for them they were always that kind of likable underdog that you you wanted the, the, the plucky underdog to win the bowl now that they've done that you soon become the bad guys you soon become the team that everyone wants to beat and I think it's 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 a challenge for them to, to come up against I've I've no doubt that they're probably the best organized team in terms of the like the level of of scouting level of coaching level of kind of data that they put together I've seen some of the, the stats and stuff of that that they've done they're giving everybody else I suppose the template or the metric to live up to but yeah it's it's harder to repeat it a bowl than it is to win a bowl speaking speaking from experience <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're right though like I think they're the best coached team in Ireland I don't think that's too drastic to say like every game is so well prepared and like you said, like it, it's so close. You kind of, if you're drawing up percentage margins of in your uh, computer projections of who who wins the Shamrock Bowl, it is very tight for the Rebels in UCD. Um, I think if there was a team that Ireland was going to send to a European club championship, obviously national champions, right? I get it, right? Duh. But <laughs> in any, regardless of whether they won that championship or not, I would probably send UCD into that European club championship in this imaginary situation to represent Ireland like you have multiple coaches on the Wolfhounds coaching team um, you have the leading passer or one of the leading rush attacks you have uh, an unbelievable defence who held playoff team their playoff opponents to was it 30 points or maybe just a tick over 32 points over the two games they played in the playoffs and their offence didn't score under 30 points in either game in fact, they averaged like 45 points or something like that, maybe more. Like when you're beating the top tier teams in your country by that much in pressure situations, it just goes to show, obviously with how talented the players are, but just how well-drilled their coaching is. They've been here and they've done that in, in, in Irish football and they're a really, really, really difficult unit to try and say, okay, well, we've got a, we've got a game plan against these now and opposing coaches going up thinking okay well I'm in a chess match now with with these guys it's going to be yeah, it's a daunting task mm -hmm. yeah I agree and we're talking about the coach and the coach that we haven't mentioned that we absolutely should mention here is Mark Lawless who just is their offensive coordinator and he's mm -hmm. fantastic and one of the things that I like about UCD a lot is the the roster depth that's there so for example Let's say Aaron Mooney isn't available, which he he wasn't in that game against Cork. Who's the next QB? It's like Tom, Tom Donovan. Yeah. yeah, everyone knows yeah. it's Tom Donovan. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Who's the next QB for the Rebels? So I yeah. actually didn't know because because Ty did go down, and I was like, I, I I'll fill you in who uh, who the, the the QB is going to come in after that. But yeah, it was there isn't that that um succession. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the things that I think makes this team like quite a resilient team. And the thing is, that's that's a place of privilege. You know what I mean? Every every coach, every whatever would would have a, a second a second quarterback. I actually think the second quarterback might have actually been Greg Johnson in the in the Rebels. I, I, warm up, yeah. Who was it? I did see I did see Greg warm up on the sideline. Yeah, I was ready. I was wondering that. So I'm not saying that there isn't a quarterback there that's ready to go in if if they need to, but I just think that 
it does go to show like the the experience that's there in the key positions in UCD yeah. that it's kind of known even, who the even next run, like. running back like they're, they're they had three three running backs and like your third guy in was Brandon Atwell who was a division one athlete like is in <laughs> that's yeah like I'd love to see I'd love to see a rematch of that game if it's as entertaining as 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 last year's bowl let's just have that for the next couple of years and just uh we'll all sit back and enjoy it but yeah I I do think it's very harsh on UCD to, to not say that they're favorites I do think they're probably the most talented team but I just think that there's there's a different dynamic to being a champion than it is to being kind of a really hungry team that's that's never won it I'm sure that they're they're very well prepared to be able to kind of uh, get over that and and like two guys I haven't mentioned but Brian Broderick and Dan Versu at, at linebacker mm-hmm. they like they did so well against the, the run game Ty and Wello um, I think Brian had a had a cast in his hands he was literally playing one handed uh, for for the for the bowl game but it's super impressive guys and and I think they do have the building blocks there I think they'd be very disappointed themselves I think if they don't at least get back to a bowl this year uh, and that should be a reasonable goal for them I mean it's 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 essentially a, a, a flick of a coin uh, between between both maybe maybe you see slightly favourite if you're looking at previous year but I think just the trajectory of the Rebels and, and the youth of the Rebels um, for me puts them slightly above and it does pain me to say that as as, as I said but uh, yeah I think you know it's going to be a really interesting season that, that Premier Division Cork, UCD, Rebels, Trojans realistically any one of the four of them could, could win we don't know what the Cowboys, the Knights, um, Panthers and, and Westmead are going to bring in, but I think there's not a massive gap between those top four and those bottom four. There could be upset games throughout the year as well. So it's it's, it's going to be probably the, the closest division one that I can remember anyway, in terms of the, the, the ability of the top team versus ability of the bottom team. Yeah. Which... One thing I think as well we should say is, we'll address it now. Everybody kind of got a bit frustrated with when is the schedule coming out? Where's the schedule? When is the schedule? Please, where's the schedule? But... <laughs> We do have to give it to the powers that be in scheduling that UCD Rebels match for week one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Spicy. Yeah. Sure, look, that, that they, whoever the powers that be that do all this, they might know a thing or two because they did the same thing last year as well with the Panthers and Trojans. And it's just, it's nice. It's the game that everyone wants to see in week one, isn't it? What we need to get to is, is game of the week streamed. So if there's a game like that where UCD are playing the Rebels, there should be a, a TV crew that goes yeah. down from AFI and we, we stream it on on whatever, uh, on YouTube or something like that. But I think that, that'll be something that, like you mentioned earlier, Joe, the Admirals Trojans game, like we weren't anyway involved, like we were playing our own game, but like we were trying to figure out who was who won that and who was getting in. So there's games that jump out every week that uh that I think that, that that's a that's a next step for the for the lead to grow would be to see a game of the week and, and have it live streamed would be that'd be my my um my next step for for the league would be, would be great to have. Yeah, well, we'll be sending you an email after this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I might might be making some work for myself here. <laughs> you, might, you might have just gotten yourself a job there, Liam. <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be coaching, so I won't be able to do it unfortunately. But we'll I'll I'll teach someone to do it if they want. Perfect. Listen, I suppose kind of a maybe a final question that I have for you is to kind of to finish off the episode is that for me, twenty twenty two was one of the most exciting seasons and one of the most exciting bowls it was one of the most watchable bowls that I think I I can remember do you feel that 2023 will be able to top it Quanjo uh, the bowl or the season in general I think the, the, I mean to me the answer to, to both is yeah yeah um, why well I, th- I think like the you look at the top so just for Premier Division right because obviously we can work down and through Division 2 Division 1 as well the Point, the points kind of apply anyway. Like every team, I, I don't think there's any team getting worse, really. Maybe one or two outliers, but 
the vast majority of teams are always improving year on year. So you're always going to get better games. Like you go back 10 years ago, or even eight years ago, and like you're, you'd have bowl games that finish 7-0. Like that's not a world as a quarterback that makes me very excited to be around Irish-American football. Whereas when you start getting into the last couple of years and you've really, really exciting games that are close for the majority of them as well. Obviously, I know that the final, the, the Shamrock Bowl kind of got out of hand in fourth quarter, but most of that game was close, really well competitive. Um, Division one ball obviously came down right to the last play, really, um, mm-hmm. with like a tip pass that would have gone for a touchdown. Um, Division two as well was within, was within two touchdowns. Sorry, not to, sorry, that was genuine. <laughs> sorry, I got PTSD there. Yeah. Apologies. Just <laughs> turning the screws there, Joe. Turning the just, uh, just, just bury the just bury the guests while we've got them on. Yeah. Um, this is the last time Liam's coming on, isn't it? <laughs> no, but like the the point is, and especially then you go back to 2019 and the Shamrock Bowl wasn't the blowout, it was within, within two scores and uh, Division 1 ball was within a point and Division 2 it was Crusaders and me that I want to say and I think that was within 10 points or two scores I think as well. Like all these games are getting close now and it's making everything competitive at the top so I think as we move forward 23, 24, 25 football in Ireland is on a really, really quick upward curve I think and I'm really excited to, to see how it all see how it all unfolds. Very yeah, nice, I'm, said, I'm the same. I think this year, this year has the potential to be. I think last year was one of the best seasons on record. This year has the potential to, to exceed that. The thing that jumps out to me, being a coach, kind of on the on the ground in terms of grassroots, is 20 years ago when I started, you were kind of a bit of a, a weirdo for for being into American football, and and people would the first reaction was like, didn't know there was American football in Ireland, whereas now we have guys that come down. So Aiden, Aiden Maher last year, for example, came down as a completely brand new rookie. He had watched American football before he he knew he wanted to play running back he kind of understood like not the not the ins and outs of of uh, an offensive scheme or whatever but he he knew what a running back was he knew what what the sport was involved we've got multiple guys that like we've one guy uh, James one of our tackles he came to came to UL basically because he knew there was an American football team wow. um it's just guys guys now that are coming into the sport and 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 and, and girls in, in flag as well it there's there's kind of the NFL is so prevalent. So, so many people watch Red Zone on a Sunday night. The NFL games in London and, and Germany and stuff like that. It's something that people are coming in with kind of a, a an understanding of the sport, a, a, the trajectory for the game between youth football, flag football, kitted football. It's all on the way up. Like we're hosting European Championships here in, in, in UL in summer. That's going to be massive. I think that's going to raise the profile of the game again uh, at another level. And obviously then I think the flag football going into the Olympics as well that to, to aim towards in terms of um, increasing the sport yet again. So I, I don't know whether the actual Shamrock Bowl will be as, as good a spectacle, um, but uh, I, do, I do think that the, the league from 2020, 2002 when I joined to 2023 is, is unrecognisable and, and uh, is going in the right direction. Brilliant. Fabulous. Don't think I could have I could have said it as well as the both of you did, so I won't. I'll leave it at that. So I think that's it from us at the domestic game. Unless anyone anyone has anything else to say, now's your time. All good. Just a uh, fair play to everybody listening for sticking around for a two hour episode, guys. <laughs> <It's Isn't good>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll sign off. So so we're your hosts. I'm Kelly Dwyer. Joe Kinahan. And I'm Liam Ryan. Peace.